0: Danish philosopher and church reformer, Soren Kierkegaard, lived in the 1800s, tried to shake up a church that had grown cold and dead to the entire thought of Christianity. He told the story of a very wise king who had fallen hopelessly in love with a maiden in his kingdom. He wondered, how on earth does royalty pursue a commoner? Descend on her cottage with blazing trumpets? Should I dazzle her with crown, robe, and title? Should I parade my wealth in front of her so that she's overwhelmed with what she sees? Or should I demand her betrothal? After all, as a sovereign ruler, he was entitled to the queen of his choice. But if he used his rightful authority, how would he ever know if she truly loved him? Ultimately, he laid aside his crown, his riches, and his glory arrived alone in the woods disguised as a beggar, seeking first her acceptance and then her love. To Kierkegaard, Christmas was absurd. The biblical Yuletide story with Virgin Mary, baby, angels, and a host of nativity guests is completely irrational. Nobody would do it that way. Only God could come up with this kind of story who would believe it otherwise thus his conclusion he said which is what makes the story perfect nobody could come up with a story like this only God would ever dream to come the way he did No matter how many times you hear the story, no matter how many times I preach the story, which probably up till now is somewhere between 150 and 200 times, 65 alone, just here at Community Alliance Church on Christmas Eve. And no matter how many times you hear the story, no matter how many times I preach the story, it's incredible that the God of the universe would give up all of that and reveal himself in such an incredible unorthodox manner. Nobody but God would do that. I don't know if you've ever seen an incredible production and you watched it while you were sitting there, but did you ever wonder what actually goes on behind the scenes to do something like that? Grant put a clip together of one of them this morning. I want you to watch for just a second. I did not grow up going to the theater. It wasn't something I ever imagined that I would do. Go to a play, go to a production, sit in the theater for two and a half hours and watch a musical? (laughs) I don't think I'm going to do that. We moved to Butler and my wife said, we got to go to the Benetton. I said, for what? We're going to watch a play. I said, oh, that'll be fun. (laughs) I love you. So I'm going to go. And she took me to see Les Mis. And I was hooked. South Pacific, Fiddler on the Roof, which, by the way, is one of my top five favorite movies or productions of all time. Lion King. And I watched them, and I thought, how do they do that? I mean, how did all of that go together? How do they put something like that that is breathtaking in those moments? For the two and a half hours I sat mesmerized by every single one I've ever seen. And I wondered, what went on behind the scenes to do something like that. And I wondered why of all the actors in the world, were they chosen? And then I thought of the Christmas story. And of all the people in all the world, of all the places, of all the towns, of all the events, why then, why now, why them? I mean, it had to be a lot of Marys, pretty common name, a lot of Josephs. Why them? And every time I read the Christmas story, I'm fascinated by the kinds of people that God chose to orchestrate an event of all that went on behind the scenes and why they were chosen and still after all of these years I'm overwhelmed by the power of the story people to me can be a fascinating study they can inspire you they can disappoint you they can intrigue you they can challenge you and today next Sunday morning we're going to look at not only behind the scenes but the people in the Christmas story and to me They're a fascinating study into the character of people. Some you can identify with, some obviously you can't. Some will have traits you want to avoid, and some will be models that display character traits you definitely want to emulate. We're going to begin the story this morning in Luke chapter 1. Going to do a lot of scripture, and most of them will be on the screen, maybe all of them. I don't look back there, but most of them will be on the screen for you this morning. We're going to be in chapter 1 of Luke, verse 26. Next week, we'll get to Elizabeth's pregnancy, but in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at those words, as would I be, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. He'll conceive and give birth to a son. You're to call him the name Jesus. He'll be great and called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and ever, and his kingdom will never, ever end. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but every time I read a story, especially for the first time or the 50th time, I always want to put in my mind, what was it like for them to hear this for the very first time? What was it like for every biblical author... To hear the voice of God and then to begin to write a story, not imagining that someday 2,000 years later, you and I would be talking about them and it. Just imagine what it was like to sit in their place, hearing all of the events unfold, and listening to the voice of the Spirit to begin to write. Over the last number of weeks, we've been in the book of James. And last Sunday morning, I was in that second chapter, chapter 2, and James was giving ideas of faith. And people that demonstrated faith, he said, faith has to be demonstrated. Do you want to see it? Not just talk about it, but I want to see it. I want to see it in a tangible way. And so he's listening to the voice of the Spirit, and he begins to write, and I often wonder what it was like and where they were when they were writing it out. And the Spirit of God said to him, I want you to give two illustrations of faith demonstrated. One is Abraham, and James is going, you bet. I, I know that story. I've heard it all my life. And so I imagine him beginning to write and write Abraham's story. And and then he said, I also want you to talk about Rahab. And I've often wondered, did he even stop? I mean, did he keep writing or saying, okay, God, just for a minute here. I want to make sure I heard you clearly. I get Abraham. I mean, everybody knows this story. Everybody knows his journey of faith. How he left one place, went to another, had no idea where he was going, offered his son. That's an awesome story, God you really want me to compare his faith to Rahab's? That that can't be. And every time I read one of these stories, I imagine what it's like for them to hear all of these events. You and I have heard it so often, if we're not careful, we begin to almost numb it out. But they're hearing this and experiencing this all the way through Scripture for the very first time. Max Locato is probably better than anyone I know of describing some of the -the behind-the-scenes characters. One of my favorite is when he talks about Gabriel. Did you ever wonder how long Gabriel stood just watching Mary for a moment before he went and told her what he did? (coughs) He told the name, told the plan, and told her not to be afraid. When he announced later in a text with God, nothing is impossible, he said, I wonder if he said it more for himself than he did for her. Gabriel had to wonder, what is God doing In all of this. Sending fire, dividing seas, all a day's work for him. When God said go, Gabriel went. You wonder what on in heaven, before this chapter unfolded, when it got out that God was to become a man. Gabriel had to be excited. I can just picture it in my mind, he said. The Messiah in a blazing chariot, the king descending on a fiery cloud, an explosion of light, the Messiah would emerge. That's what he thought. Not what he got. Go to a little town in Nazareth to a young lady named Mary and tell her she's about to have a baby that will be God. (laughs) Gabriel had to say, what? I mean, I've seen humans. I've seen babies. That's what you want me to tell her? Heaven can't contain you, God. How could a body and a baby know less? And what is the name Jesus? There's a Jesus in every village. Why not eminence or his majesty? Anything but Jesus. Whatever happened to the good old days? Fire from heaven, flooding the globe, flaming swords. That's what Gabriel liked, but that's not what he got. Take the message to Mary. She must be amazing. And then he saw her, 15, 16-year-old girl, in love with a guy named Joe. and a carpenter, no less, an ordinary guy. You're telling me that the God of the universe is going to have dinner with him every night? You're telling me that the source of wisdom is going to call him dad? But even with all the questions, he did what angels do. They obey. They deliver a message that, in this case, changed two lives and the world forever. Every one of us in the room are a messenger of God. Whether you want to be, (laughs) whether you think you are, every single one of us, not have the potential to be a messenger from God, you are a messenger from God. And you have the opportunity to share a message, the greatest message from the history of the world, a message that can change lives forever. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to share with them that God so loved them that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's a pretty good message. That you and I have the opportunity to be declares of the message of God. That he so loved the world. He so loved every individual. The people you work with. The people you come in contact with. People you're related to. People in your neighborhood. God so loved them that he sent his one and only son. That those who believe in him have the opportunity to have eternal life. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, was with, He, as in Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through Him, Jesus, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made. And it was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That Word, that God, became flesh, Emmanuel, and dwelt among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God. He's always been out there somewhere. We've heard about Him. We know about Him. We've heard stories about him. No one has ever seen God. But now the one and only son, who, by the way, is God himself, in the closest relationship with the Father, has now made God known to us. That's a pretty good story. That's a pretty good message. If you've ever wondered what God's like, if you ever wonder who God is, If you ever wonder how God feels, if you wonder how God responds, let me give you just a snippet of what I have learned from the Word of God about who He is through His Son, Jesus. Because He is God. And the emotion and the tenderness and the compassion and the love and the passion of God are revealed in His Son. When you think about it, we've got to believe that there are a few people at the world that you live in who want to hear every once in a while some good news. Don't you think? And you and I have it. I've got to believe there's somebody in your life somewhere along the way who needs to understand some hope and encouragement in an upside-down world. I've got to believe that there's somebody in your life who's lost their way who needs to know that Christ is the way. Now, it may not be a message that you one thought, thought one day you'd be giving. I'm not sure about everybody's life in the room, but i got to believe that if you were standing up here this morning and I would ask you to share your story and share about your faith in Christ, you would say, I've got to start by saying this. I never dreamed that I'd ever be here. I never dreamed that I would have a story to tell anybody that they'd want to emulate. I never dreamed. I know my background. I know my experience. I know my life. I never dreamed that someday I'd be in a place where I could tell the message of God. Some of you are sitting here saying, but I've been a Christian all my life. I've grown up in church. My parents, my grandparents, it's awesome. I got to believe there are a few of you here in the room who would say, I'm telling you what, I I got a story to tell. I would never in a million years believed that I ever would. I also believe that for some of us in the room, it may not be to whom you thought you'd be giving that story to. But i got to believe there's somebody in your life that you never thought in a million years they would be the ones that God wants you to speak to this year. Think in your life of the least likely person to ever come to faith in Christ. And then all of a sudden God says to you, that's the one I want you to talk to this year. I just want you to tell them your story. (laughs) You're going, there's no way. Now maybe nobody in this room has one of those, but i got to believe every few of us all the way through this audience have one or two people that we never imagined would be interested in spiritual things at all, let alone any kind of conversation about spiritual things. And then somewhere in the back of your heart and mind, you're hearing the voice of God saying, this year is the year. That's the one. Maybe a message you never thought you'd be giving, it may be to whom you never thought you'd be giving it to. But it's a message. It can change a life forever. This is going to come as a shock to you, but our world's a mess. I know you're surprised by that, right? And the sad thing is, I've read the end of the story, and the end of the book, it's not going to get better. Now, you can join with everybody else who would say, this world is a mess. And this world's going through all kinds of events and all kinds of uncertainty. And even with just this look practically in this last year with floods and hurricanes and fires, I'm watching all this stuff going on in California and I'm blown away. I can't even imagine what it's like for them to live through that experience. We're trying to figure out whether we want to go to Seoul, Korea for the Olympics in February. I'm not sure I'd want to go because the world is so uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to take place. But in the middle of all of that, you and I have the opportunity to be messengers of God to say, you know what, this world is really a mess. But instead of seeing all the problems, let me share with you what I see are some of the opportunities. And even for you sitting in this audience this morning, instead of joining with them to say this world is a mess, say, I get it, I understand it, but let me share with you what I have found in the midst of all of that uncertainty. Peace with Christ that passes all understanding. And instead of seeing it as problems, see it as opportunities. Sexual misconduct everywhere. And you can join with everybody else who would say it's a mess. Who do you trust? Who do you believe in? I get all of that. But you know what you could say? I understand that. It's deplorable. It's despicable. Let me show you what the Word of God says about love and marriage. Let me show you what the Word of God says about purity and sexuality. Let me show you this amazing gift that God has given us because He loves us and wants to bless us. And it's an unbelievable gift within the context of marriage. Let me tell you how wonderful it can be. Let me show you by my marriage how wonderful it really is. Not every one of you can do that. I get that. But in the midst of all of this uncertainty and all of this unbelievable conduct, you and I, many of us in the room had the opportunity to say, "I, boy, I'm telling you, it is a mess, but let me show you, let me talk to you about what marriage could look like, because I want you to have that someday. I want you to have, even with all the stuff and everything that's gone on in your life, let me share with you what I have found. Let me model to you, not in an arrogant kind of way, you don't even say it that way, but Just, I want to tell you about what God has blessed us with, and and I'm praying for you to to have that as well. You can say it, you can model it. But instead of seeing all the problems, man, see the world of all of its messes, opportunities, and then say, let me just tell you that the God of the universe came in the messed up world that you and I live in 2,000 years ago that pales in comparison To the one we're in right now, everything was a mess. All kinds of uncertainty. All kinds of disruption. In the middle of all of that darkness and that huge mess the world was in, God showed up. Let me tell you a little bit about that story. And, of course, there's Joseph. The one who received an unbelievable message. His story is found in Matthew chapter 1. And Matthew says, let me just tell you a little bit about how the story began. How the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had mind to divorce her quietly. What do I do with what I've just heard? Is essentially what he's wrestling with. But after he considered all this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Who would believe that? She'll give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he'll save the people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. A virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, did what the angel said to him. Took Mary to be his wife, but didn't consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son. And they gave him the name the angel said they should, Jesus. Joseph is a fascinating character. I mean, you talk about a tough decision to make. Do I believe the message and marry, or I get rid of her? Those are the only two choices he had. Pledge to be married, in verse 18, much more serious than our modern-day engagement. He could, according to Old Testament law, have her stoned. It was rarely exercised, but by rights, he at least could break off the pledge, expose her to public disgrace, leaving her hard-pressed to ever, ever get married again. When you read the text and see Joseph's response, you have to wonder if Joseph believed the message or believed more in Mary. I'm fascinated by his response and all this took place and you read it in that context, but I've often wondered what it was like behind the scenes for him to hear that message from God and know what he has to do, know what he wants to do, know what many expect him to do. And I've often wondered, did he believe the message or more in Mary? The story she had the angel told him had to be hard to believe, but I think his belief in Mary was equal to his belief in what the story was all about. Can you imagine the foundation this marriage was built on? That kind of belief, that kind of trust. This guy takes a back seat in the entire story. I mean, how often do you hear about Joseph in the context? For 2,000 years, we've been talking about the Blessed Mary. And every once in a while, Joseph, in some kind of context or the other, gets mentioned because he was there in a part of the story. This guy takes a back seat. Don't you wonder every once in a while if he'd say, hey, wait a minute, do you have any idea what I did? Do you have any idea what I didn't do? But he doesn't. He believes in her so much that he's willing to take forever the backseat in all of this incredible story because he believed in her. I found myself every time I read this story, no matter how many times I've experienced it, thinking back of the people who believe in us who are sitting here this morning or the people that believe in you. And if you've had somebody that believes in you that much, man, I hope you have thanked them and thanked them again. I think back over my life, and I, I'm unbelievably blessed by an incredible wife, unbelievable parents. And so every time I had the opportunity to thank them, I have pastors that believed in me. But to be really honest with you, if I were to think back over 45 years of my life, when I was called into ministry, that I would be here someday speaking to you. I would never ever, ever believe that. That I'd be speaking to this many people twice? And that you would want to listen to me and you'd come back the next week? That's unbelievable. <laughs> I love you like crazy for doing that every week. And for some of you who've been here all 22 years, you deserve a badge of honor when you get to heaven. You've listened to that guy for that many years. If you have somebody that's believed in you that much, man, I hope you thank him. And if you don't have somebody that you believe in that mess much, I hope you find them. And say to them, look, I know you have it. I know you got it. I know it's in there. Let me love you, encourage you, pray for you, support you, do whatever I have to do or can do to get you into the next level and the next level and whatever that may be. But believe me, I believe in you. And I'm going to help you every way I possibly can. If you have somebody like that in your life, man, go with them all the way through the journey. Now, you can look at my life and say, okay, it's nice for you. You are really blessed, An incredible wife, unbelievable kids, great parents, and I get all of that. Not everyone in the room has been blessed that way. I understand it. Many would say, look, I never had a mom or a dad like that, and I understand it. You have no idea. You have no idea the stories I've heard through the years. Other people have sit in Community Alliance and many other churches that I've been a part of. So I get all of that. But you know what? Even if you didn't have all of that, you can be that. Even if you got none of that, even if you didn't have a mom or a dad who did any of that for you, you can be the mom or a dad who does that for those that come behind you. Now, you can dwell on the past and dwell on what you didn't get or find out what you have now and take it from here. It's up to you. But, man, if you have somebody that believes in you that much, it's awesome. And, by the way, we do. His name is Jesus who in the midst of all of our flaws and all of our past and all of our problems loved us enough to give his life for us, takes us where we are and never, ever gives up on us. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the end. And then I'll take you to a place that will blow your mind. Then, of course, there's Mary, who trusted God for the impossible, who responded in obedience in the midst of uncertainty. One of her greatest lines is in Luke one thirty eight: Whatever you say, God, I'm the Lord's servant, she said. May your word be fulfilled in me. That's an amazing statement when you consider her age. 14 to 16-year-old, everybody has a different version of what she is. But when I look at that context, I'm thinking, that's an incredible amount of faith. Her 14, 15, or 16-year-old girl. I don't understand, Lord, but I trust you in all of this. And I'll trust you and I'll follow you no matter what. That's incredible beautiful lady that I described last Sunday morning that was near death died Monday morning and when I listened to her story and listened to her faith and I sat with her husband and I've talked to him ever since I'm overwhelmed by the incredible amount of faith they had in the midst of circumstances that for many of us would rock our world so bad we weren't sure if we could get up the next day it's obvious to see why God chose Mary Lord whatever you want to do I'll trust you. And after everything's laid out, after everything's laid out, she still made a choice, complete obedience. Lord, I'm your servant. Because of that relationship, I'll do whatever you ask. And she continued to trust the God of impossibilities. Now remember again, it's a 15-year-old girl. Over 60 years ago, a woman was told she'd never have children. But she trusted the God of impossibilities. She lost three children to miscarriages because she couldn't carry them full term, she continued to trust. The fourth child was born but almost died, but she continued to trust. And the beauty is that fourth child lived and became my wife. We have friends that we went to college with and minister in our denomination that we've known all of our ministry life and since, obviously, college, which was a long time ago. They lost a child in miscarriage, and then a second, and then a fourth, and then a seventh. The eighth was finally born, and on the day it was to be dedicated, it died of crib death. I sat on the edge of my bed because it was a Sunday morning, and we had known them all of our life, and walked them through so many of those journeys, and sat with them as they buried some of those little ones. I'm like, God, this is, I don't even know what to say. Who, who can survive that? And how do they go on? Because we've known them so well and watched their life, they were incredible. And their faith in the midst of all of that uncertainty and all of those impossibilities didn't waver. They've been blessed since then by God with two little ones who survived. They were so little when those two were born that they couldn't fit into cabbage patch babies' clothes. That's how little they were, but they continued to trust. I won't go into it all this morning, but I want to remind you of the story of Zechariah for just a moment. He's the father of John the Baptist. His story is found in Luke chapter 1. He's the priest in the temple. He was told that he was going to be a father. He questioned it and was immediately unable to talk until his son was named. Did you ever wonder why God was so hard on him by taking his speech away when he just simply asked one question, How can this be? I'm an old man. And in Mary's case, similar question, how can this be because I'm a virgin and no punishment? The only conclusions that I could come to is in Zachariah's case, he's a priest and should be further along in his relationship with God than this 16-year-old girl. And the second conclusion is this, he's an older individual who had been walking with God for such a long period of time. He ought to have had more faith and more confidence in God than this 15 or 16-year-old girl. Sometimes, maybe no one else in the room, but sometimes in my experience of life, I've found that some people who get older in their faith are more skeptical and even more difficult to be around than those who are younger in their faith. I see some young people and young Christians that could teach some of us older Christians a lot about faith and confidence and trust in God, who love life and are excited about what God's doing when it's supposed to be the other way around. We're really blessed. At CAC, it's one of the reasons we do not do services of age groups because it's so wonderful to see all of them together in the same context and in the same building praising God. And we get to model with one another, young people and older people alike, what it's like to be in the same context and love God and show it and display it, to be encouragers to one another, to watch their faith and have them watch our faith, which is the way it's supposed to be. Never, ever underestimate how blessed You are by where you sit on Sunday morning and the context that you're in by the people that just love God down to their socks and share it and live it out. And those of us who are older, we have the opportunity to model that, to show love and grace and how mature we are in Christ and how we respond to Jesus and how we respond to challenges of life and circumstances and change and on and on the list goes. All the way through this story are some unbelievable people who in God's sovereignty and grace were chosen to deliver a message to be a part of a story that changed the world forever. But to be honest with you, so are you and I. Of all the places God chose Nazareth, God chose this little town of Bethlehem. And he also looks at the people of Butler, Pennsylvania and said, man, have I got a story for you to tell. Man, do I have an opportunity for you to be a messenger? I'm going to ask you to do something that will be hard for you to go through, But if you trust me, I'll get you through the other side. And you will be a model to others who watch that and are blown away by your faith. You may not understand it at the time, and to be honest with you, it may not be revealed to you until you see me face to face. But if you trust me, you'll have a story to tell. Heard a story a thousand times. Probably sat in Christmas services dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of times. Never, ever. Take this story for granted, and never, ever take the people that God chooses to use, which are you and I in this room, and miss the opportunity to change somebody's life forever. Next week, more of them. Let's pray. God, I thank you again for the preservation of your word. It is incredible. No matter how many times I read it, I'm still astounded by the power of it and the power of a great story. In this case, it was a story that changed the world forever. So thank you for entrusting it into our care. Thank you for allowing us to be born on this side of all of this. We could have been born in Isaiah's time and wondered when it will ever come. We could sing about the Messiah and great comforter and majesty and all of that, but then we'll come and go and die, and the Messiah yet will not come. But here we are in Butler, PA in 2017, sitting on this side of all of it, and we know it's true and we can share it. So help us to walk out into our world this week with eyes wide open and to live a life that others would see and recognize that we too have been changed by a story that's as old as time but as relevant as today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. I really mean that. Have a great, great day. If I can pray for you in any way, love to do that. God bless you.